the woman went looking for a body and there was no body there. What had happened? Well, I'm going to show some slides here, everyone, um, boys and girls and all of us. So if I was to talk about the three R's, I think some of you who are younger would immediately think about the three R's of Earth or three R's for the planet Earth. So we've got the R of reduce. What's the next one? Recycle and reuse. So I suspect that's what some of you think of when you hear the word the three R's. For those of us who are a wee bit older, we might think of something else about the three R's for school. The next one shows you reading, writing, and arithmetic. And you think three R's. Mm, not really, but the first one begins with the letter R. The second one sounds as if it begins with the letter R, writing, although it has the letter W at the beginning. And then the third one is arithmetic with an R. Although it has an A, doesn't it? A letter A at the beginning. But sometimes we talk about the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. But I want to speak to you today and for us all to think about the three R's which help us learn the lesson of Easter. And the first R is this. The first R is this. It is the word risen. He is not here. He has risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Isn't that what the angels asked the woman? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Which is a good question. You don't go to the top of a snowy mountain to look for a giraffe, do you? You don't look for a you don't look for an elephant in a glass of water. You don't look for a free man or a free woman or a free boy or girl in a prison. And you don't look for a person who's alive in a tomb or in a grave. But the woman were looking for a body. That's what it tells us in verse 3 of the reading that we had. They had taken spices with them. They went to the tomb but when they got to the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were looking for a dead body. But there's no body there. There's no body there. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has, what's the first R? Risen. He has risen. Jesus is alive. And then the angel had to remind the woman what they had forgotten. What had the woman forgotten? Do you remember what the woman had forgotten? What had the woman forgotten? Put your hand up if you know. Alan. That Jesus had forecast, he had predicted, he had told them, way back he had told them, that he was going to die, and three days later he would rise again. You can read that in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. So the angel said to the woman, Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? That's Jesus' name for himself. The Son of Man must be delivered over, handed over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, that is, die on the cross, and on the third day be raised again. And then we read in Luke chapter 24, then they remembered his words. They remembered that Jesus, yes, Jesus had said, Jesus had forecast. Jesus had predicted that not only would he die, that he would rise again. Now, there are two things we can learn from this. First thing, very simple, 
but very, very important for all of us. We can always trust Jesus to keep his word. We can always trust Jesus to keep his word. He speaks the truth. What he says will happen, will happen. What he promises he will do, he will do. We can trust him. He speaks the truth. So that means unlike the woman, what do we need to do? We need to remember. We need to remember what Jesus has said. We need to remember the promises he has made and to know that he keeps his word. But there's another lesson we can learn from the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. Because Jesus is alive, we know that he has beaten death, that he has conquered death, that he has won the victory over death, that he has slain, he has killed the dragon of death. Jesus is stronger than death. And that means if we put our trust in Jesus, who is alive and who is stronger than death, if we put our hand in his hand, we love him and follow him and worship him, then when the time comes for us to die, we don't need to be scared. We don't need to be scared. Imagine, imagine somebody comes to tell you one day, and you, the person is telling the truth, he said that one day while you're going to school, or maybe for some of the older ones while you're going to the shops, you're going to be attacked by a fierce lion. And not only is it a fierce lion, it's a hungry lion that's going to eat you, that wants to eat you, that wants to eat you. One day, you don't know what day, one day when you're going to school, a fierce lion is going to jump out from behind the hedge, behind the post box. Very hungry and he wants to eat you. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that, David? A little bit nervous about going to the shops. I think I would be. I would be like very fearful. Where is this lion that's going to jump out and try and eat me? Where's it going? To, when's it going to happen? What's going to happen? But then you remember. Then you remember that your uncle Joe, your uncle Joe always goes with you to school, and your uncle Joe is a lion tamer at the circus. Yeah, and more than that, when Uncle Joe was living in Africa, he killed ten lions with his bare hands at the same time. So how would you feel now about facing the fierce lion, about meeting the fierce lion who's hungry and wants to eat you? Yeah, it's okay. How would you feel, David? Much more confident, much happier that you're with someone who can and has beaten the lion and can easily deal with the lion. Well, Jesus is stronger than the lion of death. Jesus is stronger than the lion of death. How do we know that? We know that because the tomb was empty. We know that because the angels said, He is not here, he has risen. And we know that because Jesus himself had said he would die and three days later rise again. And because Jesus always speaks the truth and always keeps his word and always keeps his promises, when he says to us, to you and me, young and old today, that whoever believes in him will live even though they die, is he telling the truth? He is. 
and he will keep his word. He will keep his promise that those who live and believe in him will live even though we die. So we must trust, we must put our hands on the only one who is stronger than death. That's what the good news calls us to do, to put our trust in the only one who has defeated death. And we must trust him with our lives and when the time comes with our own death. Now we're thinking about the three R's of Easter. So what was the first R? Who can remember what the first R was? Faith. Risen. Okay. And the first R of Easter is Jesus is risen. And the second R, we've got a slide here. The second R is that Jesus is ruling. Jesus is ruling. Sometimes the Bible uses the word Jesus is reigning. It doesn't mean reigning down like the rain from the heaven. It's a different kind of word. It means ruling on a throne. And we read there in Acts chapter 2 where Jesus has been raised up. He's risen. But he's also seated at the right hand of God. Verse 33. Seated at the right hand of God. And that means, what does that mean to sit at the right hand of God? So, Finley, who's sitting at your right hand? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Does that mean that you and your... Well, not necessarily the same. No, you're connected, but not the same. But when the Bible talks about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, it means that Jesus shares everything that God is. That Jesus shares God's power. That he shares God's authority to rule that Jesus shares the majesty and the greatness and the glory of God. He's sitting at the right hand of God, equal with God, because he is God the Son. And one day, David, King David prophesied this a thousand years before Jesus was born. King David talking about his Lord. He was talking about Jesus, even though David never knew Jesus in the same way that we can know him. That Jesus would rule... The Lord said to my Lord, so God says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. What did God promise Jesus' enemies were going to be made into? Something for his feet. A footstool. A stool. All those who reject Jesus and oppose him and resist. We're not going to have you as king, Jesus. We want to be king of our own lives. We want to live life our own way. One day they will end up like a stool under Jesus' feet. And Peter tells the crowd in Jerusalem, you shouted, crucify him, crucify him, seven weeks ago in this very city. But the one you crucified, Jesus of Nazareth, is the one whom God has crowned as Lord and Messiah. In verse 36. Just as Queen Elizabeth was crowned, well, almost 70 years ago, she became queen 70 years ago. But she was crowned the year after she became queen. And here is Jesus who was always Lord and Messiah and yet being crowned by God as he is raised from the dead and seated at his right hand on high. So Peter says, you rejected him. You refused to worship him. You turned your back on him. You crucified him. Now let's just take a little break there to think. Here's a question for you. What is the most dangerous thing 
I was going to ask you what was the most dangerous thing you have ever done, but you might not want to say that with your mums and dads here. So let me ask you, what's the most dangerous thing you have ever seen anyone else do? Okay, you can all think about that. What is the most dangerous thing you have ever seen anyone else do? Have you any thoughts? Any ideas? Put your hand up if you have. Any thoughts, Amelia? I tell you one of the most dangerous things I have seen anyone do. There's a guy called Alex Honnold, and he's a climber, but he climbs up rock faces. And do you know what he uses to help him climb? Nothing. Just his hands. Maybe some chalk dust, some resin, but he has no ropes. He's no clips. Nothing. He's a free climber. And he climbs for thousands of feet. Straight up. That's very dangerous, isn't it? I think that's one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen. Can you think of anything dangerous that you've ever seen? TV or school? Someone being cheeky to a teacher? That used to be a dangerous thing to do. I'm not sure that it is anymore. It used to be dangerous. Say again, Alan. Tightrope walker. Yes, a tightrope walker over the Niagara Falls. That has happened. Over the waterfalls, maybe with a pole, nothing else. Walking on a tightrope, very dangerous. Well, I'm going to tell you what the Bible tells us and what is true, because the Bible tells the truth. What is the most dangerous thing for any of us to do? The most dangerous thing that any of us could ever do is to reject Jesus as king and to refuse to worship him, refuse to acknowledge him, that is to admit that he is king and we are not. That is the most dangerous thing. Even more dangerous than climbing a steep cliff without any ropes. Even more dangerous than walking a tightrope. Even more dangerous than getting cancer or getting COVID. Even more dangerous than running out of money. And these things are all not very pleasant, are they? Not nice at all. Even more dangerous than losing a relationship. The most dangerous thing that any one of us can do is to reject Jesus as our king and refuse, deliberately refuse to obey him and to follow his way for our life. To live life our way rather than God's way. And you see the people in Jerusalem, when they heard this, and because the Holy Spirit was at work, they realized this was true. And it says they were cut to the heart, just like a sword had come in and pierced them right at the heart of their being. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? We have rejected and even killed the one you have appointed to be Lord and Christ. And Peter said in verse 38, you must turn back to Jesus. You who turned your back on Jesus, you must turn back to him. You rejected Jesus as your Lord and King. Now you must accept him. You refused to bow in worship and obedience before Jesus your King. Now you must worship him and acknowledge him. You must come to him and asking him to forgive you. To forgive you your sins. And to wash away all the bad things you have said and done. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, says Peter, in the name of Jesus Christ. That word repent means change of direction. Turn around. Ah, everyone. Every one of you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is why Jesus died. Isn't it amazing? You think about it. Here are the people who put Jesus to death, and yet by dying, Jesus has paid the price for their sins against him. And you say, well, why would Jesus forgive those who killed him? Why would Jesus forgive you? And why would Jesus forgive me? Because the Lord and Messiah is a Lord of love and a Messiah of mercy. A Lord of love and a Messiah of mercy. He is waiting with open arms to welcome back all those who turn to him, who repent, who come back to him to say sorry for all the wrong things that we've done and to ask him for the forgiveness that he so wants to give us. He's so willing to give us if only we would humble ourselves and ask him for it. For Jesus is waiting to welcome us into his kingdom, a kingdom that he rules with love. Jesus is risen, and Jesus is ruling. Well, let's sing again a song, an Easter hymn that reminds us of Jesus, the King who rules. Jesus, Prince and Saviour, Lord of life who died, King of endless ages, Jesus lives again. Well, turn with me now to our third and final reading, from, again from the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 17. Verses 29 to 34. We've seen how the woman went to the tomb on the first Easter day morning and heard the message from the angels that Jesus is risen. He is not here. He has risen. We saw how Peter, five weeks, sorry, seven weeks later in, on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, talking about how now Jesus is ruling, being exalted and lifted up to the right hand of God the Father. And here we are in Acts 17, but now we're in the city of Athens, in the country of Greece, with the Apostle Paul, but with the same message about Jesus. So in Acts chapter 17, Paul has been speaking uh, in verse 17, preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And the, the word for resurrection I watch Does anybody here know anybody called Anastasis or Anastasia? Okay. Well, the word Anastasia means resurrection, Anastasis. And when Jesus was preaching the good news about Jesus and Anastasia, the people in Athens thought he was preaching about gods, not just one god, but many gods. So they wanted to hear what he was saying. So we've got the three hours of Easter. The first one was what? Risen, second one, ruling, and the third one is, can you guess what the third one is? Here's a clue. Will I throw this? What is this? Do you know what this is, Harrison? Do you know what it's called? It's a boomerang. And what do you do with a boomerang? You throw it. And what does it do? It returns. It returns. And if it doesn't, it's just a stick. But if it comes back to you, it's a boomerang. And the thing about a boomerang is it returns. It returns. It comes back. Who of you here remember a girl, a woman called Solange? Solange? Remember she was with us? She hopes to return in the summer, unless she's changed her plans. She hopes to return with her family to visit us this summer. Don't know for certain whether that will happen. But one thing we do know for certain is that Jesus will 
return. These are the three R's of Easter. They tell us that Jesus has risen. They tell us that Jesus is ruling. And they tell us that Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. And the Bible, we just read it in Acts 17, tells us that God has chosen Jesus to judge the world. And that he will do that with justice. With justice. What does that mean? It means that he will do it absolutely fairly and in the right way, he knows, he knows the difference between good and evil, between what is right and what is wrong. And Jesus will do that as the God who became man, as the God-man. He is well qualified. If, if you're going to be a judge today in this country, you have to sit, well, I presume you have to sit exams and all sorts of things to become a judge because you need to know the law and how to interpret the law. But Jesus is qualified to act as our judge because he is God. He knows everything about us. Everything. He knows everything about us, but all the things that we've done and said and thought in the past. But because he is a man and has lived as a man and suffered and died as a man, he knows what it is like to live as a human being on this earth. So he's perfectly qualified to judge us as a fellow human being, but also as the God who is Lord and Messiah. And Jesus will come again as judge. How do we know that? We know that because God has risen him from the dead. Now, that is both good news and serious news. Okay, it's good news and it's serious news. Why is it good news? It's good news because all the wrongs in this world will be righted, will be put right. All the suffering caused by sin, all the evil and wickedness will come to an end. And everyone will have to answer for all the evil and wickedness that they have done. Everyone including those who think they've got away with it. I was just reading the other day, some of you will know the individual who, who lived a life of harming individuals, harming young people and adults and got away with it. And then it all just came to light after he had died. And people say, oh, he got away with it. He didn't face justice. And he didn't get away with it. He didn't get away with it. He will face the judge at the end of time. So it's good news for all who have suffered hurt and pain and injustice and have been treated wrongly. The risen ruler is returning to judge the world with justice. It's good news. It's good news for those who are suffering unjustly, perhaps in a situation like Ukraine at the moment. It's good news for those who have not heard a word of justice in this world. I may have told you before, David Hendricks, uh, one of his friends in college at Oak Hill, has a mug. And on the mug were printed the words, keep me right here, David, everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, not the end. And for Christians, that is true. For Christians, that is true. Everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right here and now, it's not the end. But one day it will be. Jesus will return. 
I said it was good news because everything that's unjust will be corrected and dealt with and judged rightly and punished accordingly. But it's also serious news, isn't it? Because we are all sinners. And we all, as the Bible tells us, we all miss the, the target, don't we, of God's goodness and glory and justice. You know what it's like when you're shooting an arrow at the target? I know some of you have done it. It doesn't matter if you miss by an inch, a centimeter, or if you miss by a mile or a kilometer. You've still missed the target, haven't you? Even if you miss it just by a little bit. You miss it by a big bit. Same with a rope. If you imagine us being connected to God with a rope, it doesn't matter if you cut the rope once or cut the rope a thousand times. The rope is still cut, isn't it? It is. And we are all sinners. We've all missed the target of God's holiness. We've all sinned and fallen short of his goodness and glory and justice. And that's why Acts 17 verse 30 that's why God, did you, did you notice this? God commands all people everywhere to repent. That's that same word that Peter used on the day of Pentecost. Turn around, turn back to God. Change the direction of your lives. Ask Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, a forgiveness that is possible because God is love and the Messiah is full of mercy. And because Jesus died on the cross to take all our sins away. Have you, ever, have you ever played a game of hide-and-seek? I'm sure you have. If you're, the one, if you're the one who has to go, if you put your you know, hands over your eyes and you're counting, what number do you count to? 20? Yeah. What do you do at the end of the 20? What do you say? Ready or not? Here I come. Last slide here. Tom. Next picture, I'll put this on a fade. So there you go, ready or not, here I come. The Bible tells us that ready or not, Jesus is returning. But God wants us to be ready. That's why the Bible is here. That's why we share the gospel. He wants you to be ready to face the judge when he returns. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming. And unless your sins have been covered by the blood of Christ, which means that have you come to him and asked him forgiveness, unless you've done that, you will need to pay. You and I would need to pay for our sins ourselves. But the good news of the cross, the good news of the gospel, is that God wants us to be ready. He wants us not to sneer and turn up our noses and mock like some of those did in Athens, but to be like Dionysius and Damaris who believe who believed in Jesus and put their hand in the hand of the one who is risen, in the hand of the one who is ruling, and the hand of the one who will one day return to judge the living and the dead. And if we know that blessing of God's amazing grace, we do not need to fear death, and we do not need to fear the day of judgment, because we shall meet Jesus the judge as our friend, and our Savior. And he will welcome us with a smile into his Father's house and into his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the three hours of Easter.
that the tomb is empty because Jesus is risen, that Jesus is seated at your right hand and is ruling, and that one day Jesus is returning. Oh, Father, help us to be ready for that return. Help us to live our lives in the light of the resurrection of Jesus, for the hope and the strength and the the joy that, that brings us here and now, but that also when we see him, we know that, we know, Father, that our judgment has already fallen on Christ and the cross. That when we ask him for the forgiveness of our sins, he will take them all away and we will receive a rich welcome into his kingdom. Help us, Father, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be, to obey that command to repent, to stop living life our own way and on our own terms and to start living life with our faith and trust in Jesus bowing before him as Lord and Messiah who gave his life that we might live in his name we pray Amen